Hello, welcome listeners. Glad you're joining us again for another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. Um, we've been doing this podcast since um, went back and found the first episode 2018. So we're in year five. We're in the episodes in the high 600s. And I'm grateful for you, our listeners, um, for engaging in the podcast and sharing it with others. I'm especially grateful for the guests that bravely step forward and share their story. This podcast would have died a long time ago. It was just you listening to me. I don't have that much to say, but I've learned to develop a platform for others um, to share their stories. And that's really what this is. It's a labor of love. You can't donate. You can leave reviews on Apple about the podcast. Um, Today's guest is my friend, Laurel Greathouse. Welcome to the podcast, Laurel. Hi, Richard. Thank you for having me. Um, Laurel sent me an email a while ago and shared a little bit about her story. And that probably took a little courage to find my email and share a little bit about her story. And and now we're doing a podcast together. Um, Laurel's going to, the core of her story is leaving the church for four years and dating women. And and now, um, and in 2018, returning to the church. Um, and that's five years ago. She's been active in the church ever since. She has same gender attraction. So she's going to talk about that road. And as you know, we share a lot of different stories. And the purpose of that is if you're not straight or queer or same gender attraction, Listening to all these stories will help you write your own story. Um, and if you're an ally or local church leader or parent, these kind of stories will help you. Um, but Laurel's really brave to share her story. She grew up in um, Southern California in Ventura County, Ventura City. I think it's a city in Ventura County. Family moved to Utah. Then she got called back on a mission to San Diego, just down the road from the 405 or the 5 and where she grew up. She's going to talk about that. She's going to talk about um, a little bit of the challenges of uh, being an early release missionary. And then she's just going to talk about her story. Um, she played college basketball at Utah State University. She's going to talk a little about that journey and making her way down to UVU and reconnecting with the church. Um, currently, she's finishing up her undergraduate degree. She hopes to get a master's degree and um, in exercise and wellness and hopefully be a coach. And uh, you want to do something more besides coaching, Laurel? Yeah, a strength and conditioning coach um, to help the athletes uh, get back from injuries, make sure they're all good to go. And you probably know a little bit about that, being a college um, athlete. I assume that you didn't go all your college career with no injuries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm accident prone. So it did happen a little bit. And you've got a Utah Jazz Take Note um, t-shirt on. That's cool. We love the yes. jazz. <laughs> I'm not sure every listener does, but I love the jazz. We're recording yes. from Utah. So is that okay for an introduction? Oh, yeah. That was great. So we'll just turn yeah. it over to you to share your story. Okay. All right. Um, as Richard said, um, I, uh, yeah, it did take a lot of courage to reach out. It's been on my mind for quite a while, but the Lord had other plans. Like, no, Laurel, you need to continue to share your story. And uh, um, so I'll start it off. Um, My first college I went to was BYU, Idaho. I was planning on to graduate there and but um, I wanted to switch my major. It didn't quite work out. But then that's when I had the impression to go um, on my mission. I was 23 when I went, and um, that was before the whole age change. But however, I was in the MTC when they announced the age change. <laughs> so that was a whole <laughs> surprise. And then like a lot of people were saying, like, don't you wish that like you could have gone when you were 19. Like I would have not been ready when I was 19, let alone 21. But yes, I did got my mission call to San Diego, California. I kind of had the impression I was going to San Diego because the week before I got my mission call, I said out loud, I do not want to go to California, especially San Diego. And that's where I went. <laughs> but however, um, I want this podcast to, to my story to be full of um, 
feeling of the Lord's love, regardless of who you are. It, um, I want to testify that God is God of miracles, tender mercies, and how important um, forgiveness on both sides really is. And um, so I went to on my mission to San Diego. I went to the Pro NTC just right down the road, and um, it it was a hard experience for me, only because like it's new ground learning all this new structure and um i was sick the majority of my time in the ntc they say like yeah when people get sick people do get sick there and um i was battling a bad cough i would there was um i was just could not focus i would be in class with my companion and I was just trying so hard to stay awake because I was just really sick. And uh, um, then uh, during October of 2012, I was sent to the ER wow. uh, as a missionary because they thought I had appendicitis. And this is my first tender mercy, well, that I could remember on my mission, is that they had me in the ER for four to five hours. But while I was heavy on meds to relieve my pain, I looked over and um, at the workers and I noticed my uncle, Brian. And and then I was weak. Then Brian came over and we talked a little bit. And then he called my parents like at one o'clock in the morning. And um, I got to talk with my parents for a little bit. I don't remember what was said, but I knew that the love was there, that the prayers were coming my way. And so I did not get better when I was supposed to um, head out into the mission field. So I stayed an extra week. There I was alone sending off my district and I was alone and they assigned me to be part of a district in my zone that were two weeks behind me. So I was relearning everything. It's like, I was not a happy camper. I feel bad for those missionaries, but I was not happy to be there. I just wanted to get out. However, I didn't know until my last day of in the NTC that those sweet new missionaries that I was surrounded by, they said, Sister Great House, you were an answer to our prayer. You know how in like, yeah, science uh, like, like, yeah, I had to stay because I was sick, but the Lord had different plans for me. He used me as an instrument in his hands to help his, their, his other missionaries. And that really humbled me really quick, <laughs> really quick. And so I finally got to go to San Diego. It was great. I had two trainers and uh, things worth we were thriving we were having lots of good lessons it was great and um then I started to get sick again same thing and so not even four weeks later I was sent home I was sent home to learn coping skills due to anxieties um I had anxiety but it attacked me physically wow and so I was in pain all day, every day. Wow. And it, then, so um, the Lord gave me more tender mercies back in 2013. Yeah, early 2013, um, my stake president is like, Laurel, how will you be a temple worker until you go back out? It's like, is that even a thing? Because back in 2013, that was unheard of for young missionaries. Even a lot of patrons were very confused of why I was a temple worker at the Logan Temple. So, but I was happy to be there. I also got to um, uh, go out with the sister missionaries at Utah State University. And that's another tender mercy because one of the sisters in that companionship, she was um, my sister training leader in the MTC. So wow. I already knew her. Wow. So it's like the Lord is lining up like so many lessons here. And then um, in April of 2013, I got the go ahead 
I got cleared by my doctors. I got cleared by my state president, Bishop, that I was to go back out to San Diego. I was thrilled. It's like, yes, let's finish this thing. Let's do it. So I got back out. I had two more. Uh, I was put in a trio again. And uh, um, we were thriving. And then um, that first transfer back, it was such a joy to be with those sisters. It was such a joy to see um, other missionaries again after six months of being home. And uh, um, then my second transfer, it, it was going really well. It was just me and this one other sister. And she has, she was my rock. She left me notes in my scriptures of like DNC 68 6. It's like, be of good cheer. I, the Lord, am with you. And uh, then halfway through that second transfer, I started to get sick again. Same thing. Lots of pain. This time I was experiencing lots of pain mentally and physically. And um, I knew deep down that I needed to call my mission president, President Clayton. and. but I put it off for a week or two. Then it's kind of went along the lines of I called them because I felt like someone was directing my hands and my arms to do the motion to call them on the cell phone. It's like, President Clayton, I'm not doing well. Things are hard. I'm sick. And then he's like, Laurel, I know now it makes sense why it was so hard to put to rearrange where you would go next in the area. Then we said prayers, got hold of my parents. I was to be sent home again. And this was the final time. Uh-huh. And uh, so my um, uh, trainer, along with some other sister missionaries, uh, dropped me off at the airport. I was surrounded by other missionaries who stayed out there for the full two years or 18 months. I was broken. I tried to smile at least. And all these thoughts came rushing through my head. What are my parents going to say? What are my friends going to say? I just saw them three months ago. And uh, I don't, I didn't know what was going to happen. And that whole flight home it just took forever. I was just lost in my thoughts of like, what is going to go happen? I do not know. But I remember when I gave my uh, mission president wife's a hug, all she whispered in my ear is, Sister Great House, you are a return missionary just like everyone else. Then I got home and uh, my family was there to greet me at the Salt Lake airport as I was coming down the escalator. And then my mom, all she said was, Laurel, we are so proud of you. Then all my burdens and anxieties just left. And then, um, and then it was hard to see friends because they did not know I was coming home because it was a sudden choice. And, uh, and so it was hard facing that. People giving me looks, Sister Gray, I was oh, why are you home? And that hurt. And um, I, I know I didn't need to explain anything, so I didn't to them. I just said things were hard. And so um, then I, I, it, I was kind of treated differently. I don't know, because um, I didn't even have a homecoming at all I was just there like okay what's the next step and so um I decided to transfer to Utah State and um and during that time the first six months of being home I would always speak with the high councilman and um testifying of the atonement and um just explain Expressing what I've experienced of how the atonement has blessed my life through my heartbreak 
of being sent home early twice due to the medical conditions. And um, and then within about five, six months later, I just hit rock bottom. I've learned since then not to suppress my feelings at all because it just kind of came crashing down. And then I had thoughts in my mind that said, you are better off without the gospel and Jesus Christ because you are a failure. Um, and then that kind of leads to the stigma of early return missionaries. I'm so glad it's getting so much better now, but back then it was rough. And um, like in the, our mission calls, it says it is anticipated you serve for an X amount of time. It doesn't say you have to, because the Lord knows, the Lord knows. And it, he know I tried my best, but me with my own thoughts, I thought otherwise. And then during the same process and in the same time frame, I started to recognize that um, I had same gender attraction and trying to figure out my self-discovery journey. Uh, then I, as soon as I convinced myself that I'm better without the church, and that's when I started to date women. And um, yeah, so I left the church back in 2014, just six months after I returned home from my mission. And um, I dated several women seriously. Some of them had the talks of marriage. Um, and then uh, while going through that, as stated before, I was at Utah State University. I was part of the basketball program, being ready to go on as a walk-on and um, training with the team, et cetera. And so um, during this time, uh, I let people convince me I am better off without God and Christ in my life. I lost my sense of self-worth and identity. The real Laurel disappeared. She went off somewhere else. I, I was living um, my life the way that people wanted me to. They, they wanted me to change to fit their needs, and I did that. And uh, so going back, um, while I was at Utah State, I was happy playing uh, with the team, but deep down I was suffering. And um, the thought of going to UV, moving to Orem, and going to UVU has came to my mind repeatedly. I shoved it away a lot because why would I want to leave the basketball program, right? <laughs> so, um, but at that time, I still, um, I thought it was just my own thoughts. Like, yeah, I'll just go to UVU. And then um, a lot of people thought I moved down to Orem because that's when my then girlfriend lived. But I knew that was not the case. And, um, but I didn't know the reason until three years later. Um, so coming down to Orem, I lived with some, uh, like a great host family that helped me get me back on my feet. And um, then I had a sister that also lived here in Orem, but she felt that she needed to move out. So she moved out of the house that she was living with other girls and I took her place. And um, I needed those roommates. Um, they, they knew what I was up to. They knew I dated girls. They knew I was just in my own world, <laughs> really. And they knew I didn't want have anything to have anything to do with the church. Um, and then with their good examples, um, and being kind, loving, it's like, huh, maybe I just want to find God again. Cause during this time I betrayed my relationship with God and Christ. I didn't want to have anything to do 
with anything religion or spirituality or anything like that. But um, yeah, so um, yeah, during this time, I still wanted to find God because I knew something was missing. I felt for every step that I had toward finding God, I was being pulled back five steps. So it was a battle. I, I, I was on the sitting on the fence, literally, like back and forth, back and forth. Like, do I want to go find God again? Do I not? It, it was a mess. So um, then um, during this time, I had the mindset that my family didn't love me. Uh, and that was one of the biggest assumptions I made to myself. And I believed it with all my heart. I made a lot of walls and barriers from my family because of it. I, there, there were people that were saying like, Laurel, you're better off with your family. They say that because it, it was, it was hard for everyone. Um, hard to process when I first came out and um but then I was dating another girl we were pretty serious back in 2017 and um then I got this unexpected phone call from my mom and uh she said Laurel your dad and I want to invite you and your girlfriend over for dinner and games and um and then right when she said that, I knew that my thoughts and the different um, negative thoughts I convinced of myself were not true. My heart began to soften, like, oh, my family really does love me. They want me around, even though I was living this other way. And um, the love was always there, but the adversary wanted me to believe otherwise. It's amazing. It's kind of crazy on how the adversary works on everybody. They're like, make you think that um, he likes to pull people down a lot. And that's what I, and that's what I experienced. So back in the, uh, about the summer of 2017, after a breakup with my, from the relationship, I decided to take time away from dating and to find out who I really am. Like, who is Laurel? Because she, like, I, I don't know where she went. I wanted to know for myself without anybody chiming in on their opinions about me. I wanted to know who I was. And, um, and it, during this healing process, I did not expect or even plan to go back to church at all. I just, I was fine with it alone. And, um, but my healing process is, I like to share some fun here before I go back to the story. I find um, one of the greatest tactics to learn how to heal or to heal alone is to go take yourself out on a me, myself, and I date. That's what I did just to kind of get to know myself. Probably one of my favorite dates I went on was a spontaneous uh, two-hour jet ski ride at Deer Creek Reservoir. It was great. <laughs> so, um, and then it, it's just, I learned so much about myself. And uh, uh, just to um, hush out the noise from what the world perceives me as, and as soon as I got to know myself was when my heart began to soften more. Um, and uh, so I was still living at this house with uh, three or four different roommates. And that's like, like they're, they're good people. And it's like, okay. Since I want to find my relationship with God again, I'll just go to church and see how it goes. So I did. And um, 
And a lot of people thought I went back to church because my dating with women didn't work out. That's not the case. I went back to church because I wanted to find that relationship with God. Just focus on that foundation. Just focus on it. And uh, I know that's not the case for everyone. Like, before I went back to church, I would always uh, try to get close to God, like, in nature. I love going out in nature. And, um, but I decided to go because I wanted to be around those good people that had that light about them in their eyes. Like, whatever they have, I want it back. If I ever did have it. I know I did. And um, um, so I wanted to highlight um, the special person that I met in the YSA Award. She was my Relief Society president and visiting teacher. She would still come visit me when I was away from church. And um, something about her is like, this person is very special. And she always came over and visited. She gave the best, she, she gives the best hugs. And it's like, I want to be around her more. So I started to go back to church more. And, um, and then she just had the brightest light about her. She was not afraid to meet new people. She, uh, she accepted me as I am, as I was. And, um, so I decided, it's like, okay, I'll try to do a weekly thing. And, it, and like too much to my surprise when I was still on the fence about actually uh, getting back to church, I bore my testimony about the goodness of people. Wow. And it's like, what did I just do? <laughs> and because like all this time, it's like before I went back to church, I had these blinders. They made me want to think that I was better off alone. And then um, early, of early January of 2018 was when I hit rock bottom. It's like, I knew I had to make a choice. Do I want to go back and gain that relationship with Christ? Fully. Do I want to invite him in? Or do I want to go back to how I was living? And uh, I'm not talking about how I was living with um, same gender attraction. I was talking about how I was living in such a way that made Laurel disappear in the first place. Uh, so at this point, I didn't. I have not prayed in years. I felt I was not worthy to pray. I felt that um, God already knew what I wanted to say, so why? But I soon realized is that prayer is what helps make my relationship with Heavenly Father grow and with Christ. And, um, and then when I thought about praying, it was in the middle of early January, 2018, it was in the middle of the night, I was crying. Um, I had these thoughts came out of nowhere in my mind, like, Laurel, you are better off dead than having a relationship with God. It's like, oh, like come on. <laughs> like that and then uh, when I heard those words in my mind it's I there was a big pit in my stomach I knew who I was fighting and um 
And then uh, it's like I tried to kneel, but if the if the dark room couldn't get darker, it did. It really did. Wow. And uh, I was paralyzed. I could not move. And uh, um, but then I felt a gentle warmth around me, help me kneel next to my bed. I couldn't talk. So I just said a prayer in my mind. Heavenly Father, are you really there? Um, please forgive me for betraying our relationship. I want it back. Do you love me? That's all I wanted to know. Then I couldn't move. I was exhausted. Um, and then then there was a big warmth, even a bigger warmth. I just felt like it, the most coziest like blanket over me. And then that darkness that got the room even darker vastly went away. Then I heard in my mind, Laurel, my child, I want you. I miss you. Please. Do anything you can to keep going. Don't listen to that voice that tells you you're better off dead. There's so much good that you could offer the world. And then I went back to sleep. And then I was contemplating that experience for the next two weeks. I was still on the fence. I knew I couldn't deny that experience, but the adversary liked to chime in and said, none of that was true. You're just going crazy. And then, um, so two weeks later, about two weeks later, January 13th, that was a Saturday. I was like, okay, I'm going to go talk with my bishop. And um, during this whole time, I mentioned that Heather was my visiting teacher, but I always wondered whenever they made the change, why is she still with me? Why is she not being, why am I still having the same visiting teacher? I didn't get it until later. So during 13th, I decided, okay, I'm gonna talk with my bishop. I'm going to get my temple recommend back. I want to go to the temple. I want to feel peace. And then January 15, 2018, two days after I made that biggest decision of my life, my best friend, Heather, she got killed in a car accident. Oh, my gosh. I was lost again. Like, how can I go on without her at church? She always sat by me. She was the light that gave me that courage to go talk with my bishop. And so that whole week leading up to her funeral, it was a very hard one, but a week of tender mercies miracles and um if anybody knows me i like to go on walks when i like to clear out my head and before her um funeral one of the nights i was asleep i had a dream i was walking on provo city center temple grounds and uh, alone thinking about what's next how can i go on without my heather And uh, while I was walking in that dream, I looked up. I noticed someone was there. And it was Heather. Wow. And she's like, Laurel, you got to keep going. The Lord sent me to you to make sure you keep going. I did what I needed to do. The Lord preserved me long enough that he trusts you to keep going and the Lord needed me home. 
it very much humbled me because I was her last missionary opportunity here on earth. And so I kept that experience near and dear to my heart. I felt her around ever since she helped me. I knew she was there when I went to the temple again. And the temple is amazing place for me. Um, I got my temple recommend back in April, four months later. And um, I had my sister go with me. I was terrified going. I felt like I was like a newbie going through it for the first time again. And I just remember the feeling once I went through all throughout the Provo Temple, I just felt a sense of familiarity, a sense of belonging. And um, all I heard was welcome home. And, um, and during this time, I had the biggest lesson on forgiveness before I went back to the temple. Here I was asking God for forgiveness and learning how to forgive that man that killed my best friend. Wow. So it was a lot to take in those months because it's like I, I was bitter for a while. Like, why would a drunk driver hit my best friend? And there were so many, um, after I got to the temple, there were so many tender mercies. Uh, my bishop suggested I become a temple worker. I've been a temple worker ever since five years already. That's great. It's, it's such a bittersweet when, when the Provo Temple closes next year. So it's like, but um, it, it's been a blessing. I've, I've seen so many miracles tender mercies um since choosing to come back to the church um no man no but nobody made the decision but me in fact i didn't even tell my family that i was talking with my bishop until like three months in because i wanted to make sure that i wasn't doing it to please anybody i want to make sure it was for me and so um my faith is what helps me keep me going. Yes, I have same gender attraction. Yes, I'm an active member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And um, it's not an easy road at all. Because uh, there are times when I feel it's hard for people in the church to understand me with my feelings. And it's hard for me to feel like I fit in with the LGBT community because I go to church. And so I feel like I'm here trying to build a bridge that it's okay to be associated with people different than you if you just sit down and listen, kind of like what you, Richard, have been doing all these years. And um, the Lord loves each of us. Uh, regardless of where we are, who we are. His love, we don't have to earn because it's always been there. And uh, uh, during hard times, yeah, people say like, oh yeah, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. But in my mind thinking like, the light is in the midst of the tunnel with you. And that's Christ. And um, he's always there. And it's like, it's so easy for us to call upon God only on the bad times. But what about the good times? He wants to celebrate things with you too. And uh, um, I could safely say that we are safe in the Lord's footsteps, whatever that means for anybody, whatever the Lord means to you. And to trust in him, easier said than done. Trusting it, it's like the world out there is so loud. It's so easy to 
doubt everything that goes on in our minds. Doubt every good experience we had with the Lord. Doubt people. Doubt our own mind thoughts or whatever. But as long as we like trust in the Lord and be believing, we are safe. And um, and then uh, yeah. So like also one last thing that I learned is to embrace the unexpected. Did I ever think that I was going to move down here to Orem and give up my basketball dream? Not in a hundred million years. No. Did I ever think that I was going to come back to church? No. Did I ever um, think that I was going to share my story publicly? No. Because for the longest time, I thought to myself, like, no, this is my own sacred story. But then that lovely, ever so loving, nagging feeling like, well, you need to share your story. And now I want to make it clear that I'm not setting my story to be the standard because I don't want it to be the standard. I just felt compelled to share my story and how so many people in so many walks of life, backgrounds, et cetera that we all could be friends and just help each other in life because we are not meant to go through life alone. And the Heavenly Father just expects us to love one another. Laurel, on behalf of all our listeners, thank you. Really brave, really thoughtful, really insightful. There's a bunch of people that have are listening that are just thinking this really helped me um, to navigate their path. Um, And not just LGBTQ people, straight people, the principles you taught, the relationships of people that love you apply to all of us as we're trying to help others. Mm -hmm. So these are some of the things I wrote down listeners. I kind of go through these um, that kind of jumped out to me. I love what your mission mom whispered in your ear at the airport. You are an RM just like everyone else. And I think that's about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And you can still remember that. Yes. And I love then what your own mom said to you at the airport. We are so proud of you. And that just helps me want to do better with early release missionaries. Um. And you had some choppy experiences, um, but you had some really thoughtful things. Um, I love what you said at Utah State University. The real Laurel disappeared. I was living my life for others and their expectations. And I think that's can be true for anybody, straight or not straight. It may be harder for people that aren't straight because there's all these voices out there of how to live that world. Mm-hmm. And perhaps there's less examples in the church of people that are in the church and LGBTQ and bridging that bridge as you were talking about that and feeling like both parts of you that are good and you can do that. So I just recognize your maturity as you navigated that road and so much of your story is I'm going to do this um, for Laurel now and what Laurel wants to do. I'm going to go really understand who I am. I'm going to disconnect. So I can do that. I think that was really thoughtful, your time at Orem. Um, I love these ex- I love these experiences in your life that opened the door that maybe I can find God again. And one of the first you mentioned was just your roommates, and they were kind. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just, and then, then this call from your mom where she said you can invite you and your girlfriend for games and i th- and you just knew they loved you even you know with your girlfriend and even though you mm-hmm. were sort of getting out of that world that call of just unconditional love and you're welcome here listeners i've often thought about as other people love us when we feel we're not lovable um, you felt some of that, then we start to believe we can love ourselves and perhaps God loves us too. Because sometimes it's the people around us that role mo- that kind of are God's angels in our lives. And if they love us, 
then we start to think, well, maybe God loves me too. Um, and it's just, in fact, this is a little bit of a tangent. Some of you, <laughs> some of you listeners are aware of this quote from Elder Packer. I agree with this quote. Um, the study of doctrine, this is from 1986. You've got to be more in my generation. The study of, doc, of the doctrine of the gospel will improve behavior quicker than the study of behavior will improve behavior. That is why we stress so sorcerily the study of doctrine. Now, I agree with Elder Packer, but I think at times the loving people can change behavior quicker than even anything else. Um, and so I'm not, sometimes I think we stop with just, you know, telling people to study the doctrine or study the doctrine ourselves, but sometimes, and that's good. I love the doctrine. Mm -hmm. It's power to bless yeah. our lives. But sometimes I think we're learning to live a higher law as Latter-day Saints. Um, and then you have this, you know, dear friend, Heather, and people in your YSA ward that just love you. And they seem to love you in this non-transactional love that Steve Young talks about in The Law of Love. They're loving Laurel just because she deserves to be loved. It's not because we want her to come back to church. And sometimes that and that love from your mom and that unexpected phone call, it's not a perfect formula, listeners, but it, it causes me, as I hear a lot of these stories, of just this love we give for each other and they love themselves, then they reconnect with God and they make better decisions. Um, I'm going to turn this back to you in a second. I sometimes read this quote from Thomas Merton, who's um, Catholic, so he's not LDS. Our job is to love others without stopping to inquire whether or not they are worthy. That is not our business. And in fact, it's nobody's business. What we are asked to do is love. And this love itself will render both ourselves and our neighbors worthy. So I love that quote. And I love this story of you falsely concluding because of Satan that God didn't love you, you couldn't love you, people didn't love you. And so much of your story is realizing God loves you all along. <laughs> and you yes. even said it, nothing you could do could take you outside of God's love. But Satan causes us to think that we're unlovable or because we've messed up. You know, we can't pray anymore. So this is this powerful story of yours um, that helps all of us. It's really powerful. And you're young, Laurel. <laughs> and listeners, yeah. I don't think repentance sort of wipes. Yeah, it makes us clean. But all the learning that comes through our individual journeys, some that we're less proud of than others, parts of those journeys, I think it still is a good thing because it gives us more Christ-like attributes and a practical understanding of the atonement and the ability because you've been on the receiving end of Heather and wonderful people in your life. I bet you're doing that for others, Laurel. Um, it seems like ever since your mission, all you've wanted to do is help others and bless others and tried to always do the right thing. And so you're really courageous um, and I'm just deeply moved by your story. More thoughts come to your mind or anything I've said? You've I don't want to make this my story. And so <laughs> no, I you're want to good. make sure you're okay with great. what I said. I loved it. Yeah. Um, another thought that came to my mind was um, uh, whether you believe in a God or not, or anything in between, just know that you belong and you are loved just the way you are. And um, we are not meant to be collectively all the same. That would just lead to a boring world and not learning anything, not having experiences that would help our faith grow. And uh, something that I learned recently is let go and let God. Just let it go. And it's, it's amazing if, like, if we let God prevail in our lives, watch take it like sit back put on your seatbelt, and just watch what the ride presents itself the lord will guide you to places you need to go maybe it's just a place you need to be at but most likely it's the people there that you need to associate with 
Because as I mentioned before in my story, that thought of moving to Orem, I had no idea why I was going to move here. Not until three years later. You know? So it's just like, just go for the ride. Everything will be okay. I keep on telling myself that. And some days are easier than others. But the Lord loves each of us unconditionally, equally. And uh, when uh, we, um, what do we take with us after this life? I have a strong testimony that our life progresses off, like from this earth to the next progression state. But do we take like our temporal belongings? Do we take that Tesla we bought? Do we take um, all the money we earned? No. But what we do take is what the things we've learned. Love. Service. As we serve our fellow uh, children of God, we are serving our Lord. And that is the ultimate happiness here. If you have a thought, I probably should text that person and then quickly have that thought like, oh, they're probably thinking I'm going to be a burden. I won't do it anyway. You should. I guarantee you that's not, that, that thought is from our loving Heavenly Father. He sends people in to other people's lives to uplift them, to serve them, to um, just help and love. That's love. God is love. What more can I say? <laughs> you know, just love others regardless of where they're at. Powerful, Laurel. Um, I'm just moved, so moved by your journey, by your willingness to share it, by your desire to do what's right. I love that you're back in the temple. I love the people along the way that helped you the most. I think that's helpful for all of us that are trying to love, you know, that have a desire to see people return. That's a good desire for church members. Um, but I think the, I think this long-term unconditional love you know, when it's time for that person, I think they respond to that the best. That's not always true. Sometimes um, parents, if you have standing in someone's life, like you're the priest or leader or parent, I think you can get personal revelation. But I think for most of us, they're just our friends and we don't really have any standing. So our job is mostly just to love. Um, mm -hmm. I love, you know, if you're a sexual minority or a gender minority, my feeling is that can create shame that doesn't come from God. It comes from Satan or it comes from the things in society. And, and that shame can cause you to think you're displeasing to God um, because you're a sexual minority or a gender minority. But I believe listeners, everybody needs to look in the mirror and feel they were created as intended and that they're not a mistake and something didn't go wrong. And I think that doesn't change church doctrine or teachings. It just puts everybody on the same moral footing. No one should feel who they are is a mistake. And um, I think that's one of the things we can improve in church culture is say kind things. Our church's website is full of kind things about gender minorities, our trans friends and sexual minorities. There's really kind things. So as we model that in our congregations and our families, um, if they're closeted people around us, I think they can believe that about themselves quicker and realize that God loves them. And this shame, which is one of Satan's greatest tools, is less likely to take hold into somebody. Um, and some of your journey is obviously the shame around same gender attraction. Um, and some of your, you know, the listeners, I talk about this a little bit is I've always thought that the prodigal um, Satan didn't win when he got the prodigal in the faraway land. Yeah, that was kind of maybe he won the first part of the battle, but he only wins if he can keep him there. <laughs> mm -hmm. And often the tools to keep him there are different than the tools that got him or her there in the first place. 
And the way he keeps the prodigal there, some of the things Laurel referenced is, you know, I'm not worthy to pray anymore. And, you know, I don't love myself very much. How could anybody else love me? And how could God love me? And I've gone too far. And I, you know, look where I was on my mission compared to where I am now. So Satan, and he just fills you with all these lies. And the prodigal answers that question. When the prodigal comes back, He's self-determined. He's going to be a servant. He's no more worthy to be a son. And so I think the Savior sets it up as a worst-case repentance scenario when the Father meets him. There's no groveling. There's no, what were you thinking? There's no, all the things I would say to my son, he didn't say any of those. He just put a robe on his finger, sorry, a robe on his shoulder, a ring on his finger to signal you come back as a son. So if you're in the faraway land right now, we all are, figure leave it sometimes in our life, um, don't think like that. Um, we're all sons and daughters and we're all worthy. And I think our Savior rejoices when we come back. He's already paid the price for our sins. We're not adding to his burden by leaving the faraway land. That's a myth. <laughs> um, he's paid the price. He enjoys forgiving. So those are just some of my thoughts for those of you that are um, resonating with Laurel's story, but wondering if the atonement applies to you or, you know, just the thoughts that come into your head or things maybe we have said culturally that are create a feeling that you have to stay in the faraway land. But here's Laurel, this, and I don't want to say you were like the prodigal, but we're all <laughs> in, at times in our prodigal land, and I think that's okay. This yeah. is an incredible story of, um, of you know, where you are right now. And the thing is, you, you're sharing your story, Laurel. It helps others because it's not just this theoretical story. It's your vulnerability, <laughs> whoops, vulnerability and being brave to share it. And there's a lot of people that you will never know that this has helped them. And that's probably true of your whole life. Um, including your service in San Diego and your your upbringing, you just got a you're a good soul, Laurel, with a great heart. And thank you. So, any things you'd like to say? Any final concluding thoughts before we final sign off? Concluding. Oh wow. Um. Um. Whoever is listening to this, I want to let you know one thing here. You have a purpose. You, I like whether that's, everybody has different purpose, different purposes here. That's my belief. But just know that you do matter. We live in such a dark, crazy world that um, society speaks loud or yet let alone yells that you have to look this way or you have to you only matter if you have certain successful degrees or anything on the like don't be afraid to reach out for help either take that pride wall down <laughs> I had to learn that many times over and over and over. Still do. Because there are people that want to help, but they don't. There are people searching to help people. And you never know what good will come of it if you just let people help you and you offer to help people. And just know that you matter. You belong. You are loved just the way you are. And um, yeah, keep going. Just keep going. Thank you, Laurel. Great house. And Heather, I don't know if people on the other side of the veil can listen to these podcasts or aware of um, you <laughs> haven't been forgotten. Here is um, one of the many people you've helped, Laurel, talking about you, and you're gone, and we're sorry you're gone, and especially in such tragic circumstances. But if, you, if you're aware of this podcast, and all of us are grateful for you and sorry you're gone, 
and mourn your loss and know you're doing good things. But anyway, this is Laurel Greathouse and Richard Osler signing off on another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love. <laughs>